Dads, I want to ask you a question starting out today, and we're going to talk about um, dads and dads as the family leader, but what does it mean to be a dad? What does it mean to be a dad? I'm teaching my sons right now what it means to be a man, and we're working through 10 principles, and we're going to put it up on their wall, but what does it mean to be a dad? I just want dads to answer. I know, those are the ones that usually don't answer, right? <laughs> They're all glaring at me right now. You haven't figured it out yet? Okay. Awesome responsibility. Leader. Leader. Just be there. Time spent. Mentoring. Any dads here feel like they have a handle on it? You're doing it perfectly. No, no challenges. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to know what we should do as spiritual leaders, what a dad always looks like. And, and for us as men, we like to have lists and we like to have descriptions of that. One dad was, was um, helping his child out and his, his son had swallowed a penny. And just crying, this was a special penny. And, and so dad came. You know how little kids are. My kids had their, their prize pennies and... Dad came, and being a dad, he's like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to, you know, stop the tears. And so he hides a penny in the palm of his hand, and he comes up to him and, and pulls it out of his ear. And the, the, his son stopped crying. He's like, that's cool, Dad. And he grabs the penny, swallows it, and says, do it again. <laughs> Our best efforts as dads sometimes don't work out as we expected. Now, kudos to that dad for trying and for being part of it. I don't know if he palmed another penny and did it again. Um, but um, as dads, we, we face this awesome responsibility. What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to lead my family? Someone mentioned leadership. And that can be a scary concept. That can be something we shrink back from because we don't know exactly what that looks like. Today, we want to look at some principles for what it means to be a godly leader in the home. For how to lead our homes in a Godward direction. So I'm making up another of my own words there. But leadership happens in the home whether we know it or not. The question is, what are we leading our family to? Are we leading them to God in the direction of holiness? Or are we leading them just to the direction of worldliness and self-centeredness? And so this morning, I've called our, our, our time together, Godward Family Leadership, Lessons from Joshua. And we're about halfway through with the book of Joshua, and I want to just pause and, and hit the pause button and look at the first ten chapters of Joshua. Yes, in one morning. And we'll try to keep it just really summary, <laughs> a summary level. But look at the first ten chapters, and out of each chapter, we gain a, a principle of leadership. And if you think about it, Joshua is a story of God leading his people through a delegated leader, through Joshua. And so Joshua is simply a servant leader. As he obeys God, he leads the people to what God wants them to do. Dads, isn't that what our job is? As we come under God's leadership, as we come under his headship, we're then called to lead our families and do the same thing with them. So this morning we have ten principles that we'll go through fairly quickly as a list. My goal is not to hammer you with this list and have you leave crying because you only met two out of the, the ten or something like that. Think of it more like a checkup. 
when you go in to get your car tuned up or checked up and all the fluids checked, you don't want them to come back and say, oh, by the way, you have no brake fluid, so you'll die on the way home. You have no oil. You know, it's not that everything's dead in your car. It's just a checkup and a fine-tuning to make sure it stays on track. That's what I hope these principles are today. Because as I think about the fathers in our church, I see so many men stepping up in their homes and striving to be godly men, to be godly husbands, to be godly fathers. And I praise God for that. It's one of the unique things about Village. And so today is a checkup, a list, which I appreciate lists. At home, I make to-do lists. You know, fix the refrigerator, mow the lawn, or shoot the gopher, or whatever it is. (laughs) This is a list that's very specific to spiritual principles. So it's not all-inclusive. There will be things that we don't mention here, and that's okay, but it's what do we see out of the book of Joshua. One other word before we start. This isn't just for you dads with young kids. I I praise God we have many fathers of young children here. But dads, do you ever stop being a dad? Nah. My dad still comes over and shows me how to do things and helps me with things. You never stop being a dad. It's, it's, it's a mentoring that goes on for the rest of your life. At different stages, it looks different, but it's something that continues. For those of you that aren't fathers yet, it is so much better to think about how to be a father before that baby comes than, than after. I, I see it as I, as I visit couples in the hospital and that dad's holding the baby for the first time. It's always the same look. It's this wide-eyed, what do I do? <laughs> and and I, I can remember with Mark, at the end of the day, thinking, I can't give him back. I, this is 24 hours a day. And so it's better, young men, to learn about fathering now, to be prepared. So let's turn to Joshua. And we'll go through these ten principles. First principle out of Joshua 1, and and as we go, we'll sort of summarize what the chapters were about, maybe read one or two verses out of the chapter, and then a couple verses about um, a dad's responsibility. But if you remember in Joshua chapter 1, at the beginning of the story, it starts with Joshua replacing Moses as the leader of Israel. Moses, who has been their leader for 40 years. And Joshua is faced with this immense task of, I now have to lead this people to follow God's leading. And the very first thing we see in chapter 1 is God steps in and commissions Joshua and says, this is my man. This is my man for this job. I am putting my presence on him. I am telling him to be strong and courageous because he is to do my work. And I think that's a great place to start when we think of fatherhood. The first point, the first principle is a Godward leading dad steps up. Because leading your home is a sacred commission from God. A dad that's, that's focusing his family in a Godward direction steps up because leading our homes is a sacred commission from God. Let's read Joshua 1. And, and his commission isn't about being a dad, but it's about leadership. Joshua 1, verses 6 through 8. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is God's commissioning to Joshua to lead his people. And whereas you and I aren't called to lead the the children of Israel, we are called to lead our little clan, our tribe. And God has has purposely commissioned us as dads to lead our families, and we didn't need to know that. And so these words ring true. These words were true because Joshua, and as long as Joshua followed God's leading, as long as he did God's work, he knew that God would be with him. I am with you wherever you go. We know from the New Testament when when Jesus gave the Great Commission, the the huge task for the church, He ends it by, by saying, I am with you always to the end of the age. Dad's God is with you as you you accomplish His purpose, as you fulfill His purpose as leading your home. And so what a wonderful commissioning of Joshua. Think about some of the verses that talk about our task and our role as dad. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself its Savior. Fathers, in verse 4 of the next chapter, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And right there, as, as we're, we're talking about families, dads, we're commissioned. We're commissioned to lead our wives. We're commissioned to instruct and lead our children. That is a godly, God-given task. And because it's His work, we can, we can resonate with Joshua that He will be with us that we should be strong and courageous, that we should move forward. In 1 Timothy 3, the qualifications for elders and deacons, we see that same commissioning again, as in both cases it says he must manage his household well. And so dads, it's easy to sort of shrink from the task to, to to, to worry that our families may think we're overstepping our bounds. These are the bounds that God has set up. These are the boundaries and the tasks that He has given. Great tasks require commissioning and presence from God. And we see from those instructions that we have been commissioned by God to lead our families. So be strong and courageous. Know that your God is with you. Accomplish His task. What that means, and if you you think through the rest of chapter 1, Joshua responds to this commissioning by getting up and obeying God. He gets up and leads his people. Well, you and I, dads, we need to get up and step up and lead our families. To not just let that happen by accident, but to be intentional about that, how that happens. A Godward leading dad steps up because leading your home is a sacred commission from God. So that's a call to action. From there in Joshua, we see different principles and different aspects of of Joshua's leadership to have the people follow God's leadership. And in chapter 2 and also in chapter 6, we have the story of Rahab. And the second principle there is a Godward leading dad shows his family God's grace and redemption. He shows his family God's grace and redemption. And if you remember in chapter 2, the next story after saying, rise up, go take the land, the next story is a story of God's redemption and salvation to this this least likely person, this prostitute. 
And we see that the spies go in and she expresses her faith in God and she is promised that she will be saved. Flip over to Joshua chapter 6, sort of the end of the, the Rahab thread. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. And see what Joshua as the leader did. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent out to spy out Jericho. Just a couple verses prior, Joshua takes the initiative to say, go get her. Go get her and bring her out. He remembers the oath. He remembers God's salvation. And dads, this is a challenge to us as we lead our families. Do we remember God's grace and redemption? Do we talk about it with our families? Do we practice it? Is it important to us? See, that became, that was the, the first story in Joshua because it became the overriding concept of how God wanted people to come to Him. Our challenge is to express that to our kids. Two things, two ways we do that. We talk about it and we practice it. We talk about it by, by continually putting in front of our kids and our families how much I need God's grace. Anyone here need God's grace? Absolutely. It's okay to tell your kids, you know, man, without God, I'd be nothing. Without His grace, I would be dead in my sins. And to constantly bring that up. Talk about how much we're in awe of God's grace and redemption. Ephesians 2, 12-13 says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Your kids' dads need to hear you talking about God's redemption. Talk about when you were saved. Talk about how you came to Christ. Those are, are, are ways that you show them through your speech how important God's grace and redemption are. But also, practice it. Practice it with your family. Practice it with your kids. Take times, Dad, where you specifically use a, an ex, a, a situation to practice God's grace. And then use that to teach your kids God's grace. Maybe it's saying to your kid, my kids love Slurpees and 7-Eleven days coming up. But, but maybe it's a day where, man, it's been a tough day. And I may say to my kids, you know, you don't deserve what we're going to do. But I'm going to take you out for Slurpees. And I'm doing that to show you God's grace. It's a simple little thing, but they get that. Especially those of you with younger kids. They need concrete examples like that. There was a time where one of my kids was in trouble, about to get punishment. I think I've shared this story before. And I, I turned to one of my other kids. and I, Because I'm, I'm, think, I'm always looking for teachable moments. Turned to one of my other kids and said, So, um, would you like to take his punishment? can I spank you instead of him? And, and what do you think the answer was? No way. Are you kidding? They deserve it. I don't. Go get them, Dad. <laughs> that, that's more the side we have to work on. We have a, a policy in our house that if, if one of the kids celebrates that another kid is getting punished, they get the same punishment. And that has really minimized some of the, the glee. <laughs> So I turned to one of my other children and said, would you take the spanking? And thinking I'd get the same answer. And they said, no, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't want them to be hurt. 
Okay, there goes, there goes my whole... But actually, we talked about that. And we talked about God's grace. And we talked about Jesus on the cross taking our punishment. And so, if we are to be spiritual leaders, dads, God's grace and redemption must be something that's just part of what we talk about. Part of our actions. How will we show God's grace? Are we showing God's grace? Another way we do this is by showing God's grace to others around us. To non-believers. As we know someone that's not saved, it is so helpful for your kids to see you praying for them. And praying for their salvation. That's how you begin to pass on the heart of God to your kids. Also, how we treat each other in the church. Sometimes it's easier to show grace to non-believers than it is to our brothers and sisters in Christ sitting in the pew with us or the chairs with us. But we show God's grace and redemption by our attitudes toward each other in the church. Are we willing to overlook an offense? Are we holding grudges? Because we know that if we hold a grudge, then we're sinning, either because we haven't dealt with it or because we're holding on to something that we shouldn't be holding on to. And we're not showing God's grace. And so dads, we have opportunities to talk about grace, to practice it, to constantly bring it up. You may feel sometimes, well, man, I'm always bringing up spiritual stuff. Man, awesome. Bring it up because we can never get enough of God's grace and hearing about it and knowing about it. And I was challenged by this when, with my kids the other day. You get a lot of kids' stories on, on Father's Day. And um, we were talking about what happens when they get hurt. And, and you know that they go to Susie. We've talked about that. Um, but this time I said, well, why do you go to Mommy instead of Daddy? And they said, because you just tell us we're okay and you don't really care. I got to tell you, that, that went to the heart. That went to the heart. And I saw I needed to show more grace and more care to show them God's grace, not just because I want to be a nicer dad, but because I want to model Jesus Christ to them. A Godward-leading dad shows his family God's grace and redemption. We see that in the story of Rahab. God cared about this prostitute. Joshua made sure she was included and brought out to safety and included in life in Israel. We get to the third principle in Joshua chapter 3. A Godward leading dad leads his family to take bold sacrificial steps of faith to serve God. A Godward leading dad leads his family to take bold sacrificial steps of faith to serve God. Turn to Joshua chapter 3. If you remember, this is the story in Joshua 3 of Israel crossing the Jordan River. And as they came, God gave some instructions because God was doing the work. And at the end, He said, now step into the water. Before it had divided, step into the water to see My work. He required an act of faith before His work. But look at a couple things. Joshua chapter 3, starting with 5 and 6. If I can hold it far enough away to read it. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate for yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And we see there with the first step that Joshua is doing is he's encouraging the people, God's going to do great things. It's 
part of a step of faith in our homes. Dads, are we expecting God to work? Do we tell our kids that God's going to work, to look for God's work? In VBS a couple years back, we had God sightings. Remember that, those that worked in VBS? And looking for ways that God worked. And it was a way of reminding ourselves to expect God to work, to be prepared for God to work. But then jumping down to 15 and 16. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. At Adam, the city beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. And we see God do a great thing because they took a step of faith. Dads, God wants our families to take steps. God wants our our families to take steps of faith. Think in the New Testament of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. We have person after person after person that God uses because of their faith. And so how do we pass that on to our kids? How do we have our own family's Hall of Faith chapter of times that we have stepped out for God and watched Him work? Because this is essential again, dads, to be spiritual leaders. If we're not stepping out in faith for God, our kids are going to have a hard time serving God and seeing Him as all-powerful and seeing His work. When it comes to following God, it is not time to play it safe. And so, dads, how do we do that? We seek God's leading. We start with prayer. And and it's, it's not just, I'm going to pick something big to try to prove that God's big. It's coming together. And I would encourage you even to include your wife and include your families in this. And say, okay, let's pray. What does God want us to do this week, this month? What, what does God want us to be involved in? And once we've done that, then choose a direction and go for it. Because God is sovereign enough to change our direction if it's wrong. You know, maybe it's participating in something we're already doing as a church. Maybe God's saying, here, why don't you give Wednesday nights to me and come work in Awana? Maybe your junior hires, high schoolers, and you all together, if you have younger kids, put them in and work in Awana. But, but sacrifice something. Because when we think of steps of faith, think sacrificial. You know, maybe it's, we're going to invite our neighbors out for, over for dinner. We're already praying for them because of God's grace and redemption. We're going to invite them over for dinner and take that awkward first step to get to know them. Maybe we're going to surprise someone with a bag of groceries in the church or a meal. Maybe we're going to stop by one of the widows in the church or shut-ins in the church and just visit and say hi and give them a hug. Or talk to Chris and Amanda for how you can help with the Helping Hands ministry. (laughs) It's reorienting our thinking to how can we take steps of faith and do God's work rather than just go through life as a good family. Maybe it's inviting someone to church. Maybe it's as a family raising our faith promise giving so the gospel can be preached to more places. Maybe it's bringing kids to Second Harvest to serve together. But find something that is a sacrificial step of faith and serve God with your kids. That's part of spiritual leadership. And I argue an important, vital part of spiritual leadership. In Joshua 3, we saw the children of Israel amazed at what God did. But if they had never stepped out of their comfort zone, 
they would have never seen that happen. Step out of your comfort zone, dads. Lead your families to step out of their comfort zone. Sometimes it's easier for us than our families. And watch God do amazing things. Chapter 4, the fourth principle. And if you remember, chapter 4 is after the crossing of the Jordan and, and God told Joshua, take the rocks, take the stones, make a memorial, and remember what I've done. Dad's a Godward leading dad, finds ways to remind his family about God's greatness and work. He finds ways to remind his family about God's greatness and work. Look at the end of chapter 4, verses 21 and 22. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. We talked about that as individuals building spiritual memorials as a church. Dads, lead the way and do that with families. Find ways to help your family remember what God has done. You have to see that He's working, but then find ways to memorialize that. We're a forgetful people. Your family has so many things pulling at them. Schedules are are just frantic at times. So find ways to memorialize what God has done. And then be prepared to tell your story. Be prepared to say why this is important. Dads, one of the ways you can do this is even just sharing your testimony with your kids. When did you accept Christ? How did you come to faith in Christ? Tell your stories. In your life, where did you see God working? Kids love to hear stories from Dad, especially when they're true. Don't be afraid to tell your story. It's not that hard, and it's a way of passing on our faith. Be prepared to tell of God's greatness. And so maybe it means making a pile of stones in the backyard. Maybe it means we have a cross in the backyard that we've made out of our Christmas tree. Maybe it means some other ways that that you remind your family that God is good, He is great, and He is faithful. We can follow Joshua's example, dads, by, by making sure we help our families remember. From the crossing of the Jordan, if you remember the next chapter, chapter 5, we think they're going to go right into battle and they stop and they prepare their hearts, right? Remember, they, they circumcised all the men and it incapacitated them and said, okay, we're ready for battle now. Because they were getting their hearts right, the people had been disobedient and had not followed God's command for an entire generation of males. And so Joshua obeyed God and stopped and made sure that things were right with God. principle we see out of that is a Godward-leading dad takes responsibility for the spiritual health of his family. Takes responsibility for the spiritual health of his family. Turn to Ephesians 5, 25-29. Familiar passage. And God is comparing a husband, a father leading his home with how God leads his church. And he talks about what God does for the church and the implication of the passage is that that men, that's our responsibility with our wives and our homes. 
Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. And what God is challenging us with there is, is men, it's not just our responsibility to, our, to love our wives, but to nourish them, to cherish them, to make them holy. And we do that by leading them spiritually, by taking the responsibility for, for the spiritual health of our families. Don't leave that to accident or to someone else. Don't leave that to us as a church. Don't leave that to a Christian school or some club. It is your responsibility to make sure your families are spiritually healthy. The buck stops here. And some of you might be saying, oh great, you're hitting us now. But I need to be reminded of that every day. And what an example to me of Joshua in chapter 5 stepping up and saying, no, we're going to deal with this now. God has said there's a problem. And we're going to take care of the problem because we're to be right with God as a people. Dads, that's what we want to do as spiritual leaders in our homes. You know, some of the ways that we do that, in this case, people had sinned, and so Joshua helped them correct sin. Dads, especially those of you with young children, part of our role is to teach our kids what happens after they sin. Now, now we, we sometimes think, oh, I'll teach them what happens when you sin. But do we teach them what happens after the discipline? Do we come alongside and pray with them? Do we help them know to confess, not only to us, but to God? And they don't know how to do that. That doesn't come naturally. This week, one of my kids had, had been caught lying, and, and we, we dealt with that appropriately. And afterwards, in a time of repentance, I said, so have you, have you confessed that to Jesus? Have you made it right with God? He's like, no. I said, well, let's do that now. Why don't you pray and do that? But at first, I'll be honest, at first I said, you need to make that right with God, and I started to walk out of the room. And I thought, no, I'm responsible here. I'm to make sure this happens. And so I said, son, why don't we just pray right now with me? And, and we, we paused and bowed our heads, and he didn't know what to pray. And so I said, son, why don't you repeat after me? And I led him through how to ask, how to ask Jesus for forgiveness. That's taking responsibility for your family. That's stepping in. And my natural inclination was, just do it. See you later. But we teach. And we train. Study God's Word with your kids. Read God's Word with your kids. Let's start there. Take the responsibility of the spiritual health of your home. You know, one of the things from that passage, we saw Joshua circumcising the, the, the reproach of Egypt from them. And, and we, we talked that week about circumcision of the heart, how in the, the New Testament and actually elsewhere in the Old Testament, it's cutting away those things in our hearts that are getting away in the way of our walk with God. Dads, that's also our responsibility. 
If there's something in our homes that's keeping our, our families from walking with God, we need to cut it out. When something comes on TV that's inappropriate, don't wait for your wife to say, um, honey, turn the channel before she says anything. That's taking responsibility for what happens in our homes. Cutting out, and, and those are going to be tough decisions, especially as your, your kids get older and they're teenagers, like, ah, oh, dad, that doesn't really affect us. We can watch that. Be the gatekeeper circumcise anything that is keeping your family from walking with God. In 2 Corinthians 7.1, Paul's giving instructions to the church. And he says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Cleanse our families from every defilement. We are the pastors of our homes doesn't mean you have to have seminary education. It doesn't mean you have to be a Bible scholar. It starts with things like making sure sin isn't in the house. With helping our kids walk with God. They need to see us walking with God for that to happen. A Godward-leading dad takes responsibility for the spiritual health of his family. I wish we could stop on that one a lot longer. But we won't. Let's move on to chapter 6. If you remember from there, we finally get to chapter 6. And, and if you were looking for action in, in Joshua, we finally get to the battle. The first battle. Except they don't do anything except walk around a city. And then obey God. All except one after that. And so in Joshua chapter 6, we see these strange instructions. And and in, in verses 8-11, through 11, And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets. And the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Put yourselves in the position of the people. Are you serious, Joshua? You want us to do what? And we can't even talk? And then we go back to camp? And we do this day after day? And we saw that the lesson of that story, the lesson of that chapter was obedience. Joshua's obedience to God, but then the, the, the people's obedience to Joshua. That was not an easy obedience. It was a strange obedience. And so in, chapter, in, in principle number six, we shift from a Godward leading dad to a Godward following family for one. As Susie and I talked about it, she said, oh, that chapter, you've got to talk about families following a dad's leadership. Just as the people followed Joshua's leadership, a Godward following family will follow Dad's lead as he follows God's lead. Even if you think there's a better way, even if you would do it differently, God has designated dads as the spiritual leaders of their home, and that implies that someone follows. And that's challenging. That's 
a step of faith. It's nerve-wracking at times. But kids, wives, part of the lesson here is to follow dad's leadership. To let him lead. I've seen so many dads stop trying to lead because no one was following. Because a leader that doesn't have anyone following is just out for a walk. And no dad wants to be that. And so moms, kids that are here, one of the, the most incredible gifts you can give your dad is to follow his leadership. To respect him. To tell him that. Today's a great way to tell, day to tell him that. And watch him respond. From Jericho, we move to Achan. And the sad story at Ai, where the people are defeated in Joshua chapter 7. The people are defeated because of sin in the camp. And a Godward leading dad, the principle here is a Godward leading dad takes real steps to eliminate his own sin, knowing that it affects the entire family. We read about that with Achan and the children of Israel. We talked about that in the church, but think about it today in the family. Dads, do we know that our sin, even if no one else in the family knows about it, is affecting our family? Man, that, that hits home a little bit more. It's easy to talk about a larger organization or the church or, or the children of Israel. But man, now we're messing with my home. And so we need to take that seriously. We need to take sin in our lives seriously and, and decide to eliminate it, strive to eliminate it, seek it out and hunt it out and kill it. And maybe we need to understand the effects if we don't. It affects the whole, whole family. Undealt with sin in you and your family hinders God's work in your family. It hinders your prayers. It keeps you from passing on a genuine faith. Because if there's sin in our lives, your, your, your family probably knows it. And so we can talk about God, but they won't catch it because they're like, you don't believe it. There's sin in your life you're not dealing with, so why should I follow God? One of the things that gets me to, t- to take this so seriously is undealt with sin in me often becomes passed on sin to my kids. If I don't deal with it, in my life, they will probably copy it and imitate it. Dads, there are no hidden sins. They just ooze out on everyone around us. I was reading a a, a book this week, Raising a Modern Day Knight. Great book for dads that are raising boys. I encourage you to read it. But there was a story in there that caught my eye about sin and a dad's integrity and, and a dad and his son were getting ready for bass fishing season. And they had a pier and a, a, a lake out at a cabin. Bass season started the next day. And they're out at the end of the pier just practicing casting with his, his 11-year-old boy. And practicing casting. And all of a sudden his son catches one. And this sucker fights. And it, it fights all the way in. And he brings it out. And it is the largest bass they have ever seen, either of them. And dad looks at his watch. And it was two hours before bass season opened. And he looked at his son and he said, son, we're throwing it back. And the son's like, what? This is the most incredible fish. This is going to be a fish story. (laughs) 
this is the most incredible fish I've ever, ever, ever caught. And dad pulls the hook out and throws it back in the water and says it's not right. And that boy, as an adult, is writing that story in this book because he never forgot that lesson. Dad, commit to purging sin, to doing what is right, and you will see incredible results in the lives of your kids. If we need to get together and hold each other accountable, to confess to each other, to tell the truth to each other, then that's what we need to do. Because it's that serious, just as it was in Achan. Then in Joshua 8, we went on to the city of Ai being destroyed because the people repented. They dealt with the sin of Achan. And at the beginning of it, we saw God's restoration of Joshua, bringing him back into relationship and saying, okay, time to get up and do my work again. And and the eighth principle of spiritual leadership is a Godward-leading dad models repentance and restoration. Models repentance and restoration. There is such hope in this chapter for me and in this principle because I'm not perfect. And I blow it. And there's times that I look back and say, why did I say that to my kids? Why didn't I do that? Why did I insist on watching that game instead of doing such and such with them? But Joshua 8 reminds us that God is a God of restoration and a God of forgiveness. Let's read Joshua 8.1. And this is right after Ai, the defeat, the situation with Achan. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise and go to Ai. And he says, It's time to get up relationship is back. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. And dads, when we blow it, it's a chance to see God's forgiveness and restoration. It's a chance to show your kids that we can get up and continue to serve God because He has forgiven us. And so one of the ways we do that, dads, when we blow it with our kids, go to them and tell them, I blew it. I was wrong. That was sin. Will you please forgive me? Sort of a a humorous way that happened yesterday for us. There's candy on our counters. And um, I like candy. And and we generally share candy. And and there was this this one box of candy that I've been eating at the last few days. And and one of my sons has been kept saying, Dad, that's my candy. Dad, that's my candy. And, And we laugh and we share... What I didn't realize is that all of his other candy, because of another situation, had been taken away, and this was a special gift from his teacher at school. And, and they, they were portioning it out, and no one else, it was already agreed that no one else would eat this particular box of candy. I probably went through a third of it. And my son just was almost in tears. And, and it's a silly example, but it was something to go back to him and say, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I blew it. I'm sorry. Don't be afraid, dads, to say you were wrong. To practice 1 John 1, 9 and confess your sin and watch God's faithfulness cleanse. The other way that we model repentance and restoration is doing what God did in chapter 8 
and bringing our kids back into the, the, the family life, the work of the family, by accepting the confession and restoring family members like the, pro- the dad did with the prodigal son. A Godward-leading dad models repentance and restoration. In chapter 9 last week, we saw the, the story of the Gibeonites and the deception. And they came and, and they got Israel to make an oath with them by lying to them. And the key verse there was that they did not ask counsel from the Lord. In, in chapter 9, verse 14, so the men took some of their provisions. They even looked at the provisions, but they did not ask counsel from the Lord. They thought they had it covered. And their pride got in the way of dependence on God. And so the ninth principle is a Godward leading dad needs God. Needs God by continually and humbly seeking His help. Dads, one of the ways you'll teach this to your kids is if you, you learn just a few words. Let's stop and pray. Let's stop and pray. Something happens... Let's stop and pray. And you pray with your family. Concerned about some bills? Let's stop and pray. You hear a prayer tree announcement? Let's stop and pray. And just with that simple act, you are teaching your kids dependence on God. You are teaching your kids that you are seeking God's counsel. That you are under His authority. It's a lot like asking for directions. I know that's hard. I praise God for GPS. I don't have to admit I don't know where I'm going. And it's, it's cool to play with gadgets. And I don't have to ask for directions. But men, it is manly to need God. It is manly to ask God for directions. Fight pride. Seek God through prayer constantly over and over. The tenth principle we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, but I'll mention it. A Godward leading dad keeps his word. In Joshua chapter 10, we haven't gotten there, but the Gibeonites, after this treaty, after Joshua has given given them his word, um, a a number of kings get together and they're going to wipe out the Gibeonites for making this treaty. And Joshua has a decision. Either I let them be wiped out and I'm out of my oath, or I follow through with my word. The Godward leading dad keeps his word. Ten principles of spiritual leadership in the home. A Godward leading dad steps up because leading your home is a sacred commission. He shows his family God's grace and redemption. He leads his family to take bold sacrificial steps of faith to serve God. He reminds his family about God's greatness and work. He takes responsibility for the spiritual health of his family. His family follows dad's lead as he follows God's lead. The Godward leading dad takes real steps to eliminate his own sin, knowing that it affects the entire family, models repentance and restoration. He needs God by continually and humbly seeking his help, and he keeps his word. It's not a final list, but man, it's a great start. And in Joshua 1 to 10, we see an example of a man that was willing to do that. Takes time with them, playing with them, leading them, 
But dads, we are blessed here because I watch so many of you working at this, these things. Take the list today. Pick one thing that you'd like to improve on and work on it. But let's lead our homes. Let's be Joshua in our families. Let me close in prayer. Lord God, our Father, I thank you for the dads in our church. So many examples of dads who are following you, that are men of God, that I am privileged to minister with, to serve with. And I pray that we would take our responsibility to lead our home spiritually so seriously. That we'd have fun with it, but to take it on and to grab it and to embrace it, Lord. That we would build strong homes that stand as lights in an incredibly dark world when it comes to homes with dads. Lord, thank you that village men are making a difference. I pray that we would continue to be encouraged to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.